Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. You know, finding a service solution that keeps your customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at that networking event. And HubSpot Service Hub can help. So with the service solution part, at least it makes it easy. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform. With an AI-powered help desk and a chatbot to handle your frontline tickets so you could scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. There was a cup on the table, I remember. We were drinking water, a little paper cup. We were at this burrito place, and you were like, if I could buy this cup for five cents and sell it to you for seven cents, that's my passion. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Ramon, he is back. The guest from episode two, which was one of the best episodes ever of this podcast. And then it was taken down for a bit. I don't know what happened. There was something. We got to take it down, make a little edit. People started hitting me up. Hey, what happened to Ramon's episode? That's how much people cared. They wanted to know. People were just keeping track. Is that episode still in the library? Something happened. Some people noticed, which was amazing to me. And now you're Twitter famous. Yeah. As of today. Well, because of uh, you and Sam. Yes, because you and Sam retweeted me and uh, I got like almost 8,000 followers overnight. I went from 2,000 to 11,000 uh, within <laughs> 24 hours. So Wow. Well, it's not just because we retweeted. I retweeted a lot of stuff. You told a great story. Uh, I'm just actually going to I'm gonna find the hook here uh, because you did a good job. Did, did Sam write this for you or did you have him edit this? Because this was so well done. I felt like you can't, this can't be your first thread and you started off this good on your first thread. How did that happen? No, well, it's Sam dripping off the whole tw- uh, tweet. So Sam actually helped me. Okay, this will would work. This is the concept. This is a little bit like right. how you format it. Then he gave a little bit like, I would start with this. I will do with this and I will explain that. Then of course I explained it. I sent it to him and he said like, yeah, this, this looks great. How would you have started it normally? And then I'll, I'll show, I'll read what, what the end result was. What would you have normally said? Or what do you remember what your V1 might've been? Yeah. Well, like you, you and I are friends. So you also know me personally. Typically I would not start off with like, I bought something for just little as X and now we're doing Y. Uh, right. I would not. Too, too braggy. <laughs> yes. But, you know, Sam said like, no, that's, you need to do that. And, you know, it's true as well, right? So why not just uh, explain it? That's, that's what people get people interested. And now I think we have 7,000 likes and a bunch, yeah. so, like a thousand so, so plus said, retweets. Here's what and, you said. You said, two and a half years ago, I bought a dog ramp business for $300,000. Already interesting. What the heck is a dog ramp business? Since then, I've sold yeah. $35 million of dog ramps. Boom. That's the, the hook, right? Um, you, you know, yes. Did a, this little thing turned into a big thing. And then the promise, why you should read this thread. I'm going to explain why I bought it, how I scaled it, and why I bought a business versus starting from scratch. But first, dog ramps, question mark. And then that is, and then the little hand pointing down, like, come read more. That is... Uh, you didn't take my power writing class, but that is exactly what I, you would have been my star student in this if you had done this as the example, because it has all three elements, right? The, what I call the frame. I bought it for 300K and I've sold 35 million. So that's the, the wow factor. Why, why should I pay attention to this? And the, why do I stop scrolling? Right. So you have a scroll stopping number, $35 million of dog ramps. Mm-hmm. You have a curiosity gap, which is what the heck is a dog ramp and how did this guy do it? And then you have a promise, which is I'm going to tell you 
A, B, and C. But first, dog ramps, which is like you, you give them a lightweight entryway uh, that they, they have, even if they don't want to know how you bought it, why you scaled it, all the operational stuff. I do need to know what the heck, dog ramps, what the heck? And so uh, yes. beautifully done. And then you tell the story and the story is kind of amazing because people know that I don't talk about what my e-commerce business is, but they know that I have an e-commerce business. And what they don't know is that it started because we were hanging out in your backyard and we were talking and the whole time we're talking, uh, your phone is just going cha-ching, cha-ching. It's like, the, and I didn't yeah. even know what this was. This is the <laughs> Shopify, Shopify is like notification sound. And you, you didn't even notice it because it's always just normal to you. Your phone is sitting on the table. And I was like, do you need to get that? Like, what is that sound? And you go, oh, sorry, that's like sales. And I was just like, you know, people love this idea of make money while you sleep, like passive income. Oh, make money while you sleep. That is a sexy idea. Yeah. This was, this was even better. It was like, you were just chilling and having fun and money was just being made for you on the side and just like a little cha-ching every five minutes. And it was literally in that moment, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start an e-commerce business because <laughs> I, I can't sit here and just let Ramon have all the fun. This is too good. So yeah. you inspired me to do it for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I had to turn off that notification because it drove me crazy eventually, like ching-ching, ching-ching every time there's a sale. Uh, yeah. But it was fun in the beginning, almost like that... Uh, you know, endorphin release each time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and if you're on YouTube, if you're watching the YouTube channel, which is just, I don't know, what, what is it? YouTube.com slash my first million, I think, or HustleCon, something like that. Just search my first million on YouTube. You'll find it. But you can see the ramp behind Ramon. So he's got the uh, all the products behind you. So the, the company's called Alpha Paw. That's your thing. So we're going to talk about a couple different things. I thought it'd be fun. Have you on your substitute teacher for Sam. And like any substitute yeah. teacher, the class always has more fun when the sub comes in. Uh, so, so that's what we're going to do. I think we're going to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk to you about kind of uh, buying and selling, buying businesses rather than starting businesses. So how you do it, and we'll go through some examples maybe of what's out there. And then we'll jump back and we'll dig into kind of like your story. So how the heck you got started. But I first want to give the, the people and, and myself really kind of a crash course on this process of buying businesses. Cause I was amazed when you told me you bought this business for 300,000 and did you buy this off of Flippa or quiet light or where'd you end up buying this? Yeah, I, I bought this on a, a similar uh, broker like quiet light. They're yeah. not around anymore, but it was a similar broker. Not as Flippa, but it's uh, it's more of a broker. And, and when you bought it, I was sort of like, what the hell, like who does that? I didn't even know anybody who does like off these like random websites. Like I could see you buying something for a few thousand dollars, but 300 grand I thought was, a lot. And I was like, dog ramps, what the heck? And you had told me then that you're like, yeah, the business is uh, doing good. And the person really wasn't doing any marketing or they didn't run any Facebook ads, I think was the case. And so you just saw like a clear growth lever. So break it down. Like, why do you do this? And then how do you do this buying businesses thing? Yeah. Me personally, I think it's also like, what's your personal preference? What's your skill set? Some people are really good at going from zero to one are really builders. Others are really good at going from one to 10. And those are, you know, scalers. Uh, I'm not really good at building. I'm better at scaling. And so I like to buy versus build because it gives you a lot more speed. It gives you history and data. And it's similar like real estate where I try to find crappy houses that you need to fix up, but in a good up and coming neighborhood, if that makes sense. Right. So good market. Yes. Good market. There's a market fit. You know, if, if this house was amazing, you would be able to rent this out for two, three, four times more than the current owner does. It's the same with, with websites. So I look for websites that have 
a good product mix, uh, product fit, has history. It doesn't have to be, you know, going really well. Uh, I'm not looking for websites that are overly optimized. So I tend to not buy websites from other internet marketers uh, <laughs> because they already did all the things that I probably would do for it. So it's not really room for growth. What was the person like, or what was the business like when you bought the dog ramp business? So describe kind of what you saw and what made you decide, yeah, I'm going to buy this one. Yeah, it solved a real problem. I wasn't aware that this is actually a problem. I have a dog, but I have a pit bull. I don't have a small dog. And so there's a real problem for a niche audience that you really can target on Facebook. Those were the good old days that you really could niche target still on Facebook. Um, it had not a lot of competition at that time. Not a lot of people were promoting ramps on Facebook, Instagram, uh, or even Amazon. The website was a very crappy website where I knew that if we switch to Shopify, if we do increase uh, or improve the copy, the pictures, et cetera, the conversion rate would most likely increase. This case, the two founders were not doing any Facebook ads. There was no paid acquisition happening at all. And even though they had a decent sized customer database, they were not emailing even existing customers, let alone trying to capture, you know, a cart abandonment. Uh, so, so this was so, a good market, which is pets. Yep. It's, you know, a house that you said, okay, if I renovate the kitchens, the floorboards, the, the, the countertops, which is like re redoing the website and the branding of it, the copywriting. And then lastly, they're not even trying to rent it out. They don't rent. They don't post it on Craigslist. They don't have flyers out in the neighborhood saying, come rent my place, which is they weren't doing paid advertising to get customers. So you saw it, you bought it and you grew it. What's another example? So let's walk through some real examples and then you tell me kind of like what you like or dislike about some of these businesses, because uh, I know you did some research on on what's out there today. Yeah. So, for example, there's one out. It's sort of a, a crossword puzzle website. So. Think of when I think a lot of people play these words with friends games or or Scrabble games. And then there's a website out there apparently that you can just put in your letters and it <laughs> will give a bunch of words recommendations. Cheat codes website, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I kind of love it because it's so, there's no nothing to do. Like you, I think there's probably a database that's already pre-built that you can buy. You build it basically once and then it's just, trying to get SEO traffic, you know, to your website. So for example, there's one for sale now for $9 million. They started it in 2017. It does 3.5 million in revenue. And because there's no really team needed, it's like, it's almost all profit. It's like three, around $3 million of profit. And it's just, you know, printing money, basically. I like these type of niches where not a lot of people think about, but there's definitely a huge search volume. What would you do? So give me two, two pieces on that. So the first is with something like this, would you, how would you try to grow it? Or would you, would you not buy this because you say, I, I don't know how I would grow this where I, I get a faster payback on my money. So what would you do? How would you think about the growth levers for this one? Yeah, that's a good question. I will personally not buy it at the moment yeah. because the price tag, typically I only buy things in a couple hundred thousand dollar range, not millions. Without knowing too much of the current business model, I definitely would try to increase RPMs, meaning how can we squeeze more advertising dollars out of the same traffic? They, right. they get like tens of millions of visitors a month. And I looked at a couple of similar websites and I think there's a huge opportunity by placing ads differently just to increase 
RPM. Similar, if, if you have an e-commerce, you want to increase conversion rates. If you have a content site, you want to increase RPMs, meaning how to get more people to click on the ads or things like that. Right. So I would do that. Secondly, I would look and do research, like for sure, if there's a huge segment of people that love Scrabble, what is this, like what other games do they like? And maybe build a sub uh, sister website that does, I don't know, like what's it called? Sudoku uh, right. or whatever. So that's that's the two the two things that I would, if I would buy this type of website. And and basically when you buy something like this, most people say, I don't have $9 million. And I think when you started doing this, uh, when you first started looking at these websites, you also didn't have enough money to buy one of these. So tell tell the story of like how you first started going to these websites, even when you didn't have enough money to buy buy one of these companies. Yeah, I've actually bought and sold websites that started with buying something for $500 and then sold it for, you know, $1,500. I started on Flippa 12 years ago. And, you know, I've bought a piñata website that sells piñatas. You can send a picture uh, of Sam and... It makes a piñata of him. Yes, a company in Mex- uh, in Texas would make a piñata and then ship it directly <laughs> to the customer. So I bought that for $5,000 that I scraped together, <laughs> improved the website traffic and uh, made my money back in two and a half months and then sold it a month later for 22,000, right? So it's not huge numbers, but those really you know, helped me to grow a little bit and really get a lot of experience. When I started SoapHop, I actually saw a similar website for sale on Flippa that was for sale for $100,000. Was in the daytime TV era too. And uh, the topic was about uh, daytime TV. Of course, I didn't have money. I had like a couple of thousand dollars. Uh, I was not able to buy that. But what I did is like, hey, let's see if there's something there. Let's do a small test, build a fan page, see how the engagement goes, and then see if there is something there and then grow from there. I guess we should explain. You created, if, you, if people have listened to episode two, they know the full story. Uh, we won't go the full story again this time, but your claim to fame, the, the, what episode two is about, is telling the story of how you created a soap opera content site, like a, a soap opera a website that was basically just saying, hey, you're watching Days of Our Lives or you're watching, uh, you know, I don't know, The Young and the Restless. Here's the recap. Here's the spoilers of what's coming next. So you kind of built like a spoiler site for daytime soap operas with like who the heck thinks of that and then you ended up selling it for nine or ten million dollars cash and that's like an amazing amazing exit and this is from a guy who has never watched a soap opera episode in his life so i think people yes. love that because it was so a random but b interesting and relatable how how you did that and it sounds like one of the ways you were getting business ideas was you were going on these websites and you i think you had told me at the time you're like i saw a website for sale that was also in the daytime TV niche, that was like $100,000 for sale. And you were like, cool, like I don't have $100,000, but if this is worth $100,000, maybe I can make something like this. And then you went through this process where you said, okay, how can I test these ideas? Because when I met you, you, I was like, all right, what's your passion? You know, Silicon Valley style. And you were like, you know, what problem do you really want to solve? What what topic, what industry are you really passionate about? And you were like, there was a cup on the table. I remember we were drinking, we were drinking water, a paper, little paper cup. We were at this burrito place. And you were like, if I could buy this cup for five cents and sell it to you for seven cents, 
that's my passion. Like uh, I like to buy things and sell things for a little bit more. And I'm basically an internet marketer and I don't care if it's cups or dog ramps or soap opera spoilers. It doesn't matter to me. I love the process of like business and selling things. And I was like, that's amazing. Uh, you know, I love the, the sort of self-awareness and honesty. And then when you were testing ideas for, for before you created the soap opera site, you went on Facebook and if I remember correctly, you basically made like 30 fan pages or something like that. Cause at the time you could promote a page, a fan page on Facebook for like cents. You could go get a bunch of likes of your Facebook page and a lot of likes weren't worth too much, but you could kind of test what topics are people most engaged with? What, what topics, if I post content in this page, will I get a bunch of likes for? And I think it ended up being like the top three were something like, what was it? It was like right-wing politics, like soap operas. And what was the last one? It was like uh, wrestling or something like that. Yeah. Wrestling was really popular. Uh, soaps and uh, politics, uh, cars were also pretty, pretty high up. Right. And then you were like, you know, I, I hate politics. I don't want to do politics. What's the next best one? Soap operas. Okay. Uh, hire this woman in the Midwest to write uh, blogs every day about soap operas and then drive traffic, baby. Uh, sell, yeah. wants to go sell some paper cups. Exactly. And I just didn't really overthink it. I didn't wrote a business plan. I just like go on, went on upwork.com. Hey, looking for a writer that can write soap opera spoilers, put a very simple blog up just to test to see would people go from Facebook onto a blog and write a right. story? And that's how it basically started. And then, you know, started with 10 cents a day from making from Google AdSense and then a dollar a day and then $10. And that's how it grew. Right. Okay. Let's look at a couple more deals and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump around again. So give me, give me another one that you saw before you came on the pod that, that you want to talk about. Yeah. So this, this is one I just saw an hour ago. I just thought I was interested, interesting. It was a goat milk soap website goat they sell milk goat soap. milk what the heck soap. is that <laughs> yes so apparently goat milk soap is better for the environment and it's better for they say it's cruelty free because apparently a lot of soaps the traditional soaps they do testing on animals etc so they claim and like forgive me for people that you know know about goat milk soap i this is the first time i heard about it and that's why that intrigued me. This could probably be a product that people that use this are very passionate about it. Same like, you know, people that are into keto are super passionate. Or, you know, there's tons of these examples where it's a pretty small niche, but people are so passionate that they, they will spread the word for you. So this website, you can find it on Flippa. Just search goat milk soap. And, and they only I'm sell looking at the, the listing. It's, it says four years old, monthly profit, $20,000 a month. It's yep. got a 29% profit margin and it's selling at a 1.8 X multiple, right? So, okay. So what is that? So let's say 20 times 12. We don't do public math, but we do type things in 240, <laughs> 240 times 1.8. So it's selling for 400 something thousand. Is that right? Correct. 400, 425 is the asking price. Right. Okay. Amazing. So walk me through, how do you think about something like this? Yeah. So first, I will do a little bit of research about the product. Does goat milk really work? Is it more of a gimmick or is it actually solves a problem or are people really you know, interested? Is there a need for this? And again, if it's a gimmick, that's fine too, right? I'm, this is not like, a, oh, the answer is no, we'll not buy it. Uh, it's just important to know. Right, back to the, to the pinata example. <laughs> exactly. How many 
because net, it's very important too for like not all bit ideas have to be a hundred million dollar idea. Like I think a, a million dollar a year business is amazing as well, uh, right? So maybe goat milk soap is you know a very passion and niche um, product. I will do research like okay, how many people in the U.S. search for it? You can use Google Trends or you can use all kinds of search volume trackers that you can see how many people are searching for this keyword. I will look on Instagram, are there like, is there a rabbit fan base, you know, like goat milk, you know, fans uh, or Facebook groups. Then I will also look on Amazon. Is this sold on Amazon? If yes, how is the trend and what is the sales? And then you can use a tool called Helium 10 to see how much revenue a listing is doing. It's by the way, a really amazing tool to do research. I do the same for pet products. You know, I look what is trending on Amazon, what is, you know, blowing out of water as far as sales, and then I will do research if we should also start selling that. Then I look, of course, on the business stuff, like business, is the, is the trend up or down or flat? And also like most of the business I've bought were either flat or down because that's how, you know, you get, you know, a good deal. Uh, so even if it's flat, even if it's not trending up, I still would, you know, potentially buy it. What is important are the traffic channels diversified. Is 100 or 90% coming from just Facebook or is it just emails or is it just um, SEO? That could be a little bit, you know, risky, especially if it's all paid traffic from Facebook because all the e-commerce, founders or listeners uh, on this podcast will know, you know, Apple can make an update and suddenly, you know, the paid uh, traffic landscape changed. So I'm, I'm looking for diversified channels. Then, of course, I look at revenue, profit margins. So you can really calculate like, okay, if I pump, is this going to be more of a scale where I can pump more money into Facebook? I put a dollar in, I get $3 back. Or is this more like of a long-term play where I have to create SEO content um, that you know is less costly, but it's a longer game? And then also what's important to understand what you're buying are the trademarks, are the patents, is there email subscribers? So in this case, they have a 43,000 email subscribers. There's 33,000 SMS subscribers. I think there's a social media. All these things, um, in my opinion, are valuable because that's the same with when I bought Alphapaw. Had a huge Instagram following, a huge Facebook following. They had an email list. They had trademarks and patent. All that was, you know, uh, included in the sale. And if you, th- those are great. Those are the assets. And so let's take a business like this. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's four hundred thousand dollar listing. How does it work? You know, if you don't have 400 grand lying around, you know, in, in a briefcase, like a, like a, you know, evil, evil genius, what do you, what do you do? How do you buy a business like this if you don't have 400 grand lying around? Yeah. So you can use SBA loans to buy internet businesses. SBA loan is basically a business loan, small business loan that I, I don't know when they started a few years ago, where they now also fund internet businesses. And you can, borrow up to 90%. So technically you can buy something that is for sale for 400,000 and you only have to put down $40,000 and the interest rate is is pretty low. It's anywhere between 5 and 7. So it's 
it's higher than a mortgage, but it's much lower than a traditional, you know, a business loan for people like us. Right. Then the second thing you can do when you see an asking price of $400,000, you can always, there's a cash upfront offer. And then you can offer like, hey, I will pay you $250,000 cash upfront at closing. The remaining 150K, I will pay you spread out over the next 12 months interest-free. So every time I buy a business that's never 100%, 100% cash on closing, I always have 60 to 80% cash on closing and the remaining it's either seller's note or an earn out. Um, and that keeps the seller, you know, helpful because they're, you know, they, they need to help you out. Plus it lowers the amount that you have to loan. So let's just say, let's just do a little loan calculator. So the SBA loan is what? 10 year loan, something like that. Yes. So 10 year loan. So let's say you did the full amount, no seller financing, just for simplicity, uh, simplicity here. So you put down 40 K you're going to take the other 360 K as a, as an SBA loan. And let's say you're paying 60, uh, 6% a year for 10 years. So your monthly payment on that loan is going to be $4,000. This business makes $20,000 a month of profit. So you take the $20,000 a month of profit, you pay back your loan for four. You're left with 16K of profit every month right now. So you could buy this today and be making money. And so that, that difference, let's say 16K, you only put down, you know, you only put down $40,000. So it only takes two and a half months for you to get all your equity back. And then you're and you're profitable every single month, and you can reinvest some of that into growth. So that's like a pretty uh, sweet deal, and that's more than most people are making at their quote unquote safe job. Correct. And SBA, the beauty with SBA loans, they of course they look at your personal credit history and etc. But they really look and make a decision the the lenders on the business. So they will never fund you if there's too high of a risk, right? If they think like oh. If uh, we cannot, you know, the, the, the borrower cannot pay the, the interest month over month. So it's an amazing tool. Actually, I spoke with uh, Joe Valley from Quiet Light Broker uh, today, and he told me a story. There was a woman, she bought a business for $1.25 with an SBA loan two years ago and just closed and sold the same business for 5.5, I believe. It was wow. in the five range, but put only 10% down. So she only she didn't even put two hundred k down, but her return was you know four million. Yeah, yeah. So if done right, you know SBA loans is a really great tool, a great leverage tool uh, to get into internet businesses or buy a business. Amazing. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's... Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D 2 C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing. If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. This is one of the tricks. Now, uh, what do you give people uh, a sense of how do you make sure you're not buying a lemon? Yes, that's uh, I get a question a lot. So when you go to Flippa.com, I would be careful because Flippa.com is a marketplace. Anybody can just upload 
you know, their listing or their website and basically claim whatever. It's on you to do the due diligence. If you go to a broker like Quiet Light Brokers, they basically do all the vetting for you. They will look at the business, is everything legit? So the risk is much smaller. But regardless, if you're new to this, if you are, you know, it's your first business, you can hire a due diligence company. Centurica.com is one. I think those are the biggest uh, well-known. You pay, you know, it depends on the listing price, but it's as cheap as a couple hundred dollars and it goes up from there, but they do all the due diligence for you. They look through all the traffic. Is it legit? Is the revenue legit? Is whatever, everything they claimed, is it all legit? And then they can come back to you with like, well, we looked at all the data, all the numbers, you bought it for 1.2, but we think it's actually worth 900K because these are the reasons. So definitely recommend going with a due diligence company like Centurica. Gotcha. Okay. And give, okay, so these are businesses you could buy. What was the first kind of like, how the heck did you become you, right? So how are you figuring out how to do this? Give people kind of the, uh, not, not, you don't go deep into any one, but just describe kind of the journey and then I might poke into some that sound interesting. So, okay, you're, you're Ramon, you're born. And uh, I don't know, I don't know when you got your entrepreneurial start. What was the first kind of like entrepreneurial venture? You Were you in your teens or, or 20s or what? My first real business was a construction business. I've done things before that, but it were like nothing really significant. But I think the way how I started the construction company is really my DNA, if that makes sense. Because if I look back, a lot of other companies, I started basically the same. I didn't know anything about construction. And... And uh, the story, I will keep it very uh, quick, but I think it maybe could be helpful for people that maybe are overthinking steps or overthinking things. I was out of a job, was 20 years old, had to pay my rent. Co-worker of my mom said, I need a painter to paint the inside of my house. I can pay you X. I forgot the number, but it was like a month's worth of money that I made in three days. So I thought, oh, this is amazing. I can, you know, be my own boss. It's a lot of money. The harder I work, the more money I make. I, that was really what intrigued me, right? Like if I can do this in one day, I will actually, you know, have make the same amount of money than in a whole month. So you got paid on your output, not your input. Correct. And um, and as you know, like I'm a high school dropout, right? So there was not uh, that's what, what what year did you actually drop out? Um Officially 15, but I stopped really going when I was 14. Okay, so that's basically ninth grade, right? <laughs> that's U.S. ninth yeah, grade. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is there. Okay. Actually, my mom actually got a letter from the board of school to with an official waiver, like, okay, your son doesn't have to go to school because in Holland you have to go to school mandatory to 16. They actually gave me a pass because no high school wanted to accept me. Um, but that's a different story. So going Such back, a good guy. Uh, the, on Sunday night, she paid me out. I said, this is amazing. So on Monday morning, I came up with a name, house improvements or home improvements, one of those two, built some, uh, designed a couple very ugly business cards, made a one-page website, and put an ad out on the Dutch version of Craigslist. And I thought, you know what, let's just not do only painting. Let's do like, we do everything. Construction, like remodeling from A to Z, whatever. And, I thought, and like, you don't let's know just... how to do any of that, by the way. 
No, no, I don't know anything. <laughs> I barely was able so, to paint. So what gives you that confidence to say, I'll, I'll renovate everything A to Z, and yet I don't know how to do anything A to Z? I think that's the naive thing part of me <laughs> that I still have is like, let's just see first if I can get a job and then figure out like how to solve or do the job. <laughs> and so an hour later or two hours later, I got an email from a guy saying, hey, I'm looking for an electrician. And um, I am rewiring the whole building, blah, blah, blah. Right. I said, sure, no problem. I will see right. tomorrow. I'm morning. a ninth grade dropout. I'll be there in three hours. I, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> I went out to buy an official construction outfit. So I really looked like a construction guy or like, you know. And I went there the next morning. And disclaimer, of course, I will not have done things that will you know, potentially kill people. But I just wanted to see like, you know, I don't know, like maybe it was something simple. Maybe so he, yeah. gave me, he gave me the tour and it was like, I couldn't even understand the words he was saying, like, oh, we need to wire this and we need to do, it. and the floors were open and the walls were open. And uh, I was still playing along, but in my mind I was like, there's no way I can do this. Plus it's dangerous as fuck. Um, so he went out to run some errands. I waited for him. Because I didn't want to be like, you know, an asshole just go uh, left. So I waited for an hour. He came back and I was like, listen, I'm going to be honest. I don't know shit about the construction company. I don't know shit about Electra. I just started yesterday. I want to build a construction company, but I don't know anything. And he was, because he was an entrepreneur, he laughed his ass off. And he actually gave me work. He said, like, you're hilarious. Um, just help me with, you know getting you know supplies over and, here. <laughs> yeah. yeah and he paid me the same amount of dollars or euros uh hourly rate than uh he would have done before i think also by the way if we have young listeners i think it's so important to do those things when you're young because if i would do it now i'm 40 years old not endearing i don't yeah. think it's not endearing. It's not like, oh, I appreciate your hustle. No, it's like, hey, you're, you're a con man. Like, get yeah. Yes. So if you're young, take advantage. You know, Sam was also really genius of doing that as well, right? Like you can just get away with so much more of showing hustle. But also like, I think he appreciated that I waited for him and just be like honest, like, hey, yep. listen, I don't know shit about this. But he gave me a really good tip. He said, in order to own a construction company, you don't have to know everything or do yourself. If I were you, find freelancers, you focus on getting the projects, and then you outsource it to freelance. So that's what I did and found an electrician, freelancer, plumber, you know, everything you need, a whole crew that you need. And two weeks later, I got a second job and I didn't do anything. I just had my... Send it, dispatched someone there. Yeah. Yeah. I sold it for 10K, my cut was like around 5K, and that's how I basically grew the construction company. And within a year, a little over a year, we were like at 20 to 24 people, depending on how many projects we had. And at that time we did close to a million dollars or million euros, sorry, um, wow. uh, a year uh, in revenue. And you're like 19, 20 um, years old, something like that at that time. Yeah, 20, 21 when we, you know, were a year, year in. And so what happened to that? Happy ending or sad ending to the story? Well, very quick, maybe story about how I scaled. The scaling part, I think it's also could be helpful for people is that the big problem with construction is every, like the job is two weeks and then you have to find another job. The job is four weeks and you have to find another job. 
right? So it was really hard to keep the guys busy and really, you know, make sure that the the projects align, if that makes sense. Yep. So I thought, hey, who can I find? What can I do so I don't have to find jobs anymore? Real estate investors, they buy apartment buildings all at once. They all need to be renovated at once. So I went to um, local real estate uh, meetups. That was actually horrible because I was a really out of my place. I was way too young. I was like, you know, blue collar guy with all these fancy pants. But one thing led to another that I met the biggest real estate investor in my region that I lived. And he was like literally built buying apartment buildings at the foreclosure every month between 20 and 100 buildings at a time. Wow. So now he became my client and he was my client to the end, basically. I right. never had to search for a new customer. So that was all the good news. Then I made a bunch of mistakes. Cash flow projection was one where construction, you really, it's a similar, a little bit similar like with e-commerce. I think you could grow yourself into bankruptcy, if that makes sense. Making, for example, you with a construction, same with e-commerce, you have to put a lot of money up front. I have to pay every Friday the, the crew. I have to p buy the supplies, but I only get paid all the way at the end when the project is done. So the faster you grow, the more projects you have, the more money you have to put out in the open and you have to wait for it. So that started, that was really, uh, and I was just not good at mm -hmm. cash flow projections. I, well, I just didn't do it. And, um, Another thing that really was bad was growing too fast that I have to hire people that I normally would not have hired and really lost grip of the business. That makes sense. And, you know, it started to break right. and I had to close the company after three years, more or less. And our, our um, mutual buddy, Sully, was at my house this weekend and he said something like, uh, I don't know if maybe you already, maybe this is the guy you already talked about, but he said, you said you had some like mentor kind of help you early on, uh, somebody who really changed you, the course of your life. I, I, I don't know. Is he talking about that guy that, who gave you that first kind of insight to hire freelancers or is there somebody else no. that he's talking about? No, this is a different story. <laughs> okay. Tell that one. Um, all right. That story uh, was before my construction company. I was almost 18 or around that time. My mother kicked me out the house. You have to you have to figure your, sh your shit out. So I have to pay rent. So I had to find a job at a local Best Buy, the, the Dutch version of Best Buy. A couple of weeks in, I said like, this sucks, right? Like long hours, whatever. And there was a guy came coming in in a nice expensive suit. Uh, he wanted to buy something, was not in stock. He gave me a business card and says like software solutions. And I didn't know anything about software or programming or whatever, but I knew or solutions because it or <laughs> solutions, whatever. I didn't know anything, uh, but I just knew like, okay, Hey, there's a lot of money to be made and a lot of opportunity in, because this was like the early internet days, right? Like, you know, I'm an old fuck, right? This is like before 2001, before the internet bubble, if people right. remember. And so I didn't know what he was doing. But it was something in software and solutions. And that's and how, you knew it was good because he came in in a fancy suit or you separately had been thinking about the Internet? Uh, separately been thinking about because I always was like trying to, you know, oh, let's buy 
this type of product in Germany and then try to sell it in Holland. Like I was always trying to build these, doing these schemes, legal, of course, but internet was just like this whole new, like for me, my, like, this was like amazing. There's so many, so much opportunity. And so I knew that I just didn't know like exactly what, how to get started, how to even, you know, write a line of code or whatever. So I started stalking him as a, Hey, and this is again, the benefit of being young, like, Hey, I want to get a job at your company. And he said, we're not hiring. But I kept stalking him respectfully, but I did caught stalking him for months, like three, four months to a point where he said, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of this in a good way. Let's make a deal. If I'm going to give you a book on Friday, we have an internal exam for programmers. If you pass that exam, I will hire you, the company will hire you and give you a six month internal program to become a Microsoft uh, developer. But you have to promise me if you fail this exam on Friday, you have to leave me alone for the rest of your life. I said, okay, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, they know what it was expect. He gave me a book about Microsoft database access, access database program. Study that if my life was depending on it, did exam and I passed. I didn't pass A plus, but I passed enough. And uh, so they gave me a job. And for six, the next six months, they trained me, I was able to become a Microsoft software developer within this company. They gave me a lease card, they gave me a laptop, they gave me like a phone, like it was, nice. it was insane. So this guy really changed my life because I think learning how to code really is helpful also in other ways in, in your life, like because it really, you analyze problems and situations just different if um when you know how to code that makes sense and you but today you don't consider yourself like a coder like let's say for your your e-commerce website you're not the one going and making changes is do you do it like sometimes or early on before you hire people do you just do stuff yourself or no you're just saying learning it back then and using it back then and learning how to think that way was helpful yeah and that day that time i had to learn visual basic that language doesn't even exist anymore <laughs> so it's like i know how to read PHP and HTML. And, you know, I know, I know how to do it, but I'm like, I, I never do it. Basically. I, I think it's more of breaking down what was so frustrating as a programmer is like finding bugs. So you have like, you know, a 10,000 line code and there's one thing it breaks. You have to go through like all the codes, but it really trains your brain. Like, okay, how to really try to narrow down what it could be and where the problem could be. And that mindset you can use in, in all kinds of other, you know, real life situations. So I don't uh, program right now, no. Okay, fair enough. And we got five minutes left. You had a game you wanted to play at the end. Let's do, let's do the game. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, it's very silly, but I was- And why did you want to play this game, by the way? Uh, because I think your audience would like to know these questions, okay. like <laughs> would you rather? So it's a would you rather- Let's give the people what they want. <laughs> yes. All right. So here's the first one. Would you rather be the CEO of Apple or the president of the UFC? Ooh, okay. President of the UFC, like Dana White, uh, too much travel. I'm traveling. I'm on the road all the time dealing with, with all kinds of head event planning. Like when I threw my wedding, I was like, this is the only event I'll ever throw like this. And uh, for the UFC, every weekend they throw, you know, a mega wedding. So no way I'm doing that. 
I also wouldn't really want to be the CEO of Apple. So I'll take the job. I'll go buy oh. your company for half a trillion. I'll buy my company for half a trillion and then I'll peace out. <laughs> and they, all right. That's awesome. Um, I saw this uh, on a meme, actually. Would you rather have dinner with Jay-Z or take $500,000 cash? Uh, $500,000 cash. Easy. Uh, what would you do? Would you take dinner with Jay-Z? I feel like you might be a, I want a unique experience person. No? Yeah, I will take the cash too. There was there was a whole debate, uh, like people saying like you should take Jay Z because he's like, gonna like let's you- say 50, let's say fifty thousand dollars cash, fifty thousand dollars cash. I think is a closer bet here. Yeah, then I will in the situation I'm right now. I will take the dinner. Yeah. Um, if I have no money, I will take the cash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm in the same boat. I think the dinner is most likely going to be kind of lame, but you know, I get a good story. Who knows? Maybe maybe we hit it off. Maybe he's interesting. Five hundred thousand. That's uh, you could go buy your charity dinner with Jay Z for for ninety thousand and yeah. have the rest left over for for goods after that. <laughs> or you can buy a goat milk soap website. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, with the That's the question. Would I rather have that goat milk business today or this <laughs> dinner with Jay Z <laughs> tomorrow? I'll take the goat milk business today. Thank you. Yeah. Let's do. Would you rather? Hmm, would you rather bootstrap, bootstrap a million dollar business or VC back $10 million a year business? Mm, I think I would rather have a VC back $10 million a year business. I'll tell you why. I think that once you can get a business to $10 million, I think the odds of you being able to get it to 50 or 100 are quite high. I think zero to 10 is a lot harder or more likely to, to, to round down to zero than 10 will stay at 10. So I think 10 million, really what you're saying is, hey, just stick with it for a little bit longer and you'll be at 30, 40, 50, 70, something like that million within two, three years. So I think that's the case. And then I'm I'm actually, a lot of people think VC means you're VC forever and that you're in this endless uh, chase. They're like, well, the VCs say you need to grow. The VCs say, you know, you'll have to raise your next round. My experience with VCs has actually been quite different, which is VCs give you the money. They might want you to do something, but it's your call what you do. And like, you can raise one round and never raise again from VC, or you can raise one round and grow at the pace you want. Um, they might strongly advise you to do something, but it's on you to say, look, are you going to fire me? Do you have the power to do that? Are you going to fire me? If not, then I'm going to need you to you know, shut the fuck up and stay in the back seat and like, let me do what I'm going to do here. So I think the $10 million business is just better than the, the bootstrap to 1 million. Then a very quick, for the listeners that have an idea, but not the capital, would you tell them to try to get VC money or try to get the company started, uh, get some revenue and then do the VC route or? Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound cliche, but it's true. And whoever is doing this needs to hear this, which is the... Raising money is not the uh, is not the goal. Like so, a lot of people are like, "Hey, I want to talk to you." Uh, like, I'll invest in a company, and they'll say, "I want to talk to you about you know what metrics we need to do to be able to raise an A in uh, nine months, or you know we're we're starting planning for our Series B. Uh, I want to talk to you about what metrics we need to do to hit the B." And I'm like, I understand what they're saying, and it's good to be thoughtful and plan, but there's a sort of Im- implication that raising money is the milestone. And it's like, oh, what business, what does this business need to do to be able to achieve this outcome? And it's actually the opposite. It's, I have a business outcome I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to 10 million in revenue with 20% EBITDA, or I'm trying to get uh, 20% market share in this market, or 5%, I want to grow 20% a month. You have a business outcome in mind. And then you just say, 
do I need more money to make that happen? Yes or no. Um, money is the fuel. It is not the destination. It is not the, it's not the point of the journey, uh, uh, for, for, for raising money. And so I would just say like, yeah, you, when you start, when you have the idea, uh, the goal is, okay, well, I need to get like one customer, 10 customers, a hundred customers, a thousand customers. You start doing that. And then at some point, if you get stuck because you lack the money, meaning you truly, you need to go buy inventory or you're, paid ads are working. You just need to spend more to get to the next milestone. Then you raise the money. Don't raise, don't raise as your excuse to go do the business. Yeah. And you also see a lot of uh, deals or people approaching you and, you know, me in a little bit lesser way, but I do feel like there's a lot of people think they need money to launch a business, right. but actually don't. Um, because they think, oh, it needs to be pretty or it has to have all these functionalities. Um, but maybe they could just like start with one functionality and right. just have, you know, a fiber designer just do it and, you know, do it, at least get started. Yeah. My favorite people to, f to, to f fund are people who have uh, created a company and like made all the mistakes, ended up with a small win where they got a taste of winning, but you know, not, not, not enough to go retire on a yacht. Because the next time they start, they're like, not going to waste those six months on design mock-ups and branding and getting the trademark and all this other stuff. Like they know what are the traps and they know what, what you really need to do versus what you think you need to do. And there's a big gap there, but usually ex even if somebody tells you experience is the best teacher, because uh, you, the voice in your head, typically uh, from most entrepreneurs I meet, the voice in your head typically is giving you some bad advice your first, first time through. And it's okay. Like just go do it learn those lessons. And then the second time you're much better off. Yeah, no, I agree. Then last question, would you rather do a boxing match against Sam or do an Ironman with me and Suli? <laughs> uh, both. I, I'll, I'd rather do the boxing <laughs> match with Sam because that sounds more fun and exciting uh, than like an endurance race. But uh, yeah, so I would do a boxing match with Sam. I think that'd be great. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to like feel what it's like to be, in a real fight. Like, I think I got into like one or two little altercations when I was younger, like in high school or middle school, but it was always like I hit the kid and then he, he ran away or like, yeah, he hit me and then it got broken up. And it's like, it never yeah, yeah, was yeah. like, okay, let's do this. Let's get, let's start. No one's going to break this up. And the point is to actually get in a fight. So I would do it. Although Sam is definitely like, you know, on horse uh, tranquilizers or whatever, like horse, uh, you know, <laughs> growth hormone or whatever he's taking. That guy's uh, built like an absolute monster right now. So, uh, you know, I, I need a little training period, but I would do it. Actually, a lot of people, because he's been posting videos of me and him sparring, um, right. you know, he wants to become a uh, fitness influencer now. To his, to his credit, by the way, he posts, pic he posts videos of you hitting him and him going down. Normally when people post, they yes. cherry pick what makes them look good. He does the opposite. He posts of you hitting him with liver shots and him falling down over and over again, like a compilation. <laughs> yeah. And to be also to his credit, he, um, he started four or five months ago, not super serious, not that he's doing it every day, but he, he actually got really good, really fast. Um, yeah. you know, I've been training much longer, but a lot of people on the Twitter uh, comments actually are voting for uh, you versus Sam. So yeah, maybe we should give the fans what they need. Let's give the fans what they want. Yeah, we need we need like a Kickstarter or GoFundMe or something. It's like if uh, if 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 certain number of people vote for this or buy the pre-buy a pay-per-view five dollar pay-per-view of this, we'll do it. We need like whatever ten thousand pre-buys.
Okay. 10,000 pre-buys, that's the goal? 10,000 pre-buys of a $10 pay-per-view, and then we'll do it. Okay. Let's set it up. And then yeah. you can either come give me to like, Austin. Give me like, I don't know, four months to, to train. And we'll, we'll film the training. Four months to train. We'll do it. Yeah. Four to six. Each one can get one uh, good trainer, boxing trainer. Uh, do you do what you want to do, boxing or MMA or no bo- boxing? Uh, I don't have time to learn five martial arts, so we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to <laughs> the point where we're both <laughs> shitty at boxing, and then we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I think we should uh, do it, and then maybe Suli yeah. and I can box too as the Perfect. pre uh, the, the prelims. Yeah, we we should we should get the we'll anybody. It's a CEO boxing tournament. <laughs> yes, and we stream it. Uh, and we do it in a really small ratchet like boxing gym here That's and right. also we can go there and then we'll just stream it for for the people right uh 10,000 pre-buys that's a, a lot but i think it's doable i think it's doable. Uh, especially yeah, think... if you can get the support of your listeners yeah we're saying it now uh people will just have to see uh we'll just have to get them a link and let's get them a link and let's do yes it. all right this i can't wait all right perfect um, okay, I gotta run. I gotta do a call with this guy, Ramon. Thanks for being on. Where should people yes. find you? So now your Twitter famous. So is it Ramon Van Meer? Is that your your Twitter handle, right? Actually, I feel so dumb. Uh, I don't know. Actually, let me see. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I barely used it since until yesterday. Yeah, Ramon at Ramon Van Meer all together. No, at Ramon, Ramon Van Meer. Go by if you yeah. have a small dog, like I have a multi poo. Uh, I have four of your ramps in my house because it's a lifesaver. Yes. Uh, otherwise, your dogs get like, you know, injured backs and they're jumping off couches and stuff like that. That's like, imagine jumping onto something or off of something that's three times your height, right? That's what they're doing. And so these ramps are onto the bed, onto the couch, up the stairs. You know, th- that's how I use them. So go buy, go buy some ramps from Alpha Paw. Oh, thank you for the plug. Uh, thank you. It was good talking and I see you at the, at the boxing match. Amazing. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like.